0: Thank you
1: No, nope. yeah, there we go. Welcome to First D.C. Church. Welcome to October Ooh, already. Um, we're glad you're here to worship with us today. I have something new for, for all of you to take notice of, but especially any visitors, any first-time um, attendees. We have little cards in front of you now um, near the, the cup holders that if you would please take the time to fill one of those out, let us know that you're here, um, and I'll... Uh, I would love to follow up, chat with you. Um, if you don't want me to call, just write it on there. Don't call, but just like to know that you're here, know who we have visiting with us uh, this morning and, and any morning that that we have visitors. It's wonderful to, to have everyone here worshiping with us. Wonderful to have all of you out there on Zoom worshiping with us as well. I'm only going to take the time for for two um, two announcements, one being the shoe boxes, um, because that's new. You saw the shoe boxes back there. You know how to how it works, better than I do, grab the shoeboxes, follow the instructions, and then bring them back and put them on the, put them on the table. The other the other announcement, if you will, I'm, I'm looking for a couple of strong guys after the service. If you'll help me move a couple of um, the heavy wood bulky tables that we have back in the storage area. There's two tables in there. I'd like to get them downstairs for the, girls, for the Girl Scouts. Thank you. After service, just stop by they, the Girl Scouts are, are growing. They needed another table. Those tables are kind of in the way, and they're heavy and bulky, so we'll, we'll take them downstairs and let them, let them use them. So if you'll help me out after service, I'd appreciate it. Anything else as far as the schedule, as far as appointments, uh, anything else we need to know that the family the, the family here needs to know? All right. Well, then we'll begin our... Our worship service let's let 's just um, take a moment, pause, and uh, prepare ourselves for worship and let 's pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day in our eyes it's it 's not um, what we would typically call a beautiful day, but it is a day that you 've made, and so we will rejoice in it and Father, we do. Appreciate the opportunity for all of us to get together and to worship you, to praise you, and, and to take the time later to, to remember what your Son has done for us. Father, I pray that everything that we do here this morning, everything we sing, everything that is said would just be to your honor and to your glory, Lord. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For our call to worship, I chose Psalm 121 because it kind of goes along with the first song that we're going to sing, and we were hoping to have some children. I was going to have children come up. I don't see any children other than these older children. So you're going to have to do the motions, but we'll get there. Um, but the first song kind of goes along with this psalm. This psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This first song that we're going to sing talks about He's with us all the time, and everything that we do, we do for Him. And I was going to have the kids come up because it talks about um, every move, every move I make, I make in You. Every breath, every step. So I won't ask you to do all those motions. We'll save that for the kids, but I will ask you to clap when we do the na 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 na. Nah. This is kind of a this is kind of a kids song but it's but it's not it's a praise song. So I'm going to invite all of you to stand. Let's sing with the praise band and enjoy it as a praise song.
2: And I'm going to try not to run out of breath cuz it's a little fast. I'll try not to go too fast. Everybody ready back there? Everybody ready out there? Yeah, I guess I'm ready too. Every move I make, I make in you You make me move, Jesus Every breath I take, I breathe in you Every step I take, I take in you You are my way, Jesus Every breath I take, I breathe in you Waves of mercy of grace. Everywhere I look, I see your face. Your love has captured me. Oh my God, this love, how can it
1: There were 168 Nas in that song, if anybody was wondering.
2: We're keeping track. Yeah. All right. We'll slow it down a little bit here. Switch drummers. Love is your dwell.
1: praise band. And we're looking forward to singing that first song one day with a whole lot of kids up here. (laughs) I'll have to take the coat off and really get into it with them. We're going to take the time now to, to lift up our praises and our prayer requests. And so I'll take any any prayer requests from anybody that might might have any?
0: Marlene was at the doctor's. Marlene Groff, and now they found a mass at her neck.
1: But she, she she's in the hospital now. Oh, she's home. Okay, yes, yeah. She had she had received an MRI, and they found a found a mass. They don't know anything about it yet. We don't know if it's. If it's uh, cancerous or not, it's just at this point just a mass on our neck. But it's it's something to be concerned about. We will, we will pray for that. Any other Zoom? Okay. Uh, an update here from uh, from Jim. Uh, he is uh, uh, just edited here. Um, He's uh, starting his uh, new job. Excellent! Um, So, congratulations on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely lift that up as a praise. I know Jim has been trying to get a job for so long. So we'll pray that we'll pray that it's a it's a good fit and that it keeps keeps going for a for a good long time for Jim. Hi Hi.
0: The praise that I'm back um, was able to get here this Sunday, so praise for that. Uh, but most of all, um, please pray for my niece, Layton. She is hospitalized in the Hershey Medical Center with pneumonia. She's two and a half, oh. and um, it's, they're not sure if they have to drain her lung yet or not, so please lift her up in prayer. Uh, pretty dicey right now, so okay. not only her, but her little brother, and her mom and dad as well.
1: Okay. Okay. Anyone else? I'm also going to ask you to, to just take a few moments. We are going to be um, going to be sharing communion later. And I know that there are some, and it's going to be open communion if you're a believer and you believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God and all that, um, you're, you're welcome to, to join with us. I know there's some who are concerned very often about whether, you know, Paul's instructions about taking it in an unworthy manner. Um, we, we read about whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And I know that scares some people. And I want you to just understand the context. And I'm not going to give you two sermons today, but just the idea that what was happening there was was that there were when they had communion, they would come. It would be a feast. It would be a, a dinner, a, a time to enjoy a, a meal. And and the idea was that everybody would come together and they'd enjoy that meal together. Well, some of those people were coming early, and they were eating like a like an all you can eat banquet they were just eating up all the food or they were drinking all the wine and they were getting drunk and so forth and so people who were coming later there was no food for them or there was no wine for them and so generally what he's talking about there is that they, they when they were coming and they were enjoying the feast they were just enjoying food they weren't really coming and and thinking about what it what it symbolized what what the importance of it was and they also weren't thinking about their brothers and sisters who were coming later and wouldn't have something to eat. So, I don't want you to be too concerned about um, how, how this, how you might be affected if you're. If, I, I want you to take it seriously. I want you to understand, but the un, idea that unworthy manner just means that you're not considering the brothers and sisters in your congregation. And so, I do want to take a few moments. If there's something, we'll just I'll, we'll, we'll be quiet, give you an opportunity to reflect. And if there are some things that you need to ask for forgiveness for, you you, you have your quiet conversation with God, and um, prepare yourself so that later, when we are ready to take communion, you'll feel like you are ready, um, and that it's not a not a problem. But we'll we'll take a few moments just of silence, and then I'll pray. I'll lift up prayer for these that we that we've listed here. So let's let's go to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will consider all those requests that have just been silently made, all those confessions, all of those concerns. I pray that you will clear the hearts of everyone here so that so that all can participate in this this sacrament that we're going to have the privilege to participate in later. Father, we praise you for the way that you are acting in Jim's life. We thank you that you have provided him with a job. I pray that that things will go smoothly for him, if it's your will, and that you will allow him to, to remain in that job for, for quite a while, that it will be a steady source of security and income for Jim. We also praise you that, that Connie was able to join us here. We thank you also for for all the visitors who are here today, and we thank you just for all the members who were able to come together today. We do lift up some concerns, Lord. We know that Marlene has a mass on her neck. You know what it is, and you're preparing the specialists for just just the right procedure. But Father, um, I pray that you'll give Marlene comfort and peace knowing that it's in your hands, and we pray that the specialists will be able to identify it and to know how to treat it. And Father, we pray for Leighton. We pray that this pneumonia can be cleared, that you'll, you'll lay your healing hand on her, and again, you'll, you'll provide all the right knowledge for any doctors and nurses and specialists that are working with her. We pray for her and her family. Give them peace, give them comfort as they go through this. Let them draw closer to you and, and to lean on you through this process. Father, I also thank you for the provision you provide for all of us. We we thank you for the income, and we ask you to bless our offering as as a token of our worship. We ask you to bless it to further your kingdom and to further your church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to join us now in singing hymn number 34. to continue, continue our study of First John, this letter that John has written to his church. Our series is called It's Not Easy Being a Church. John has found that there are problems that are coming up in his, in his church, in this church in Ephesus, and so he's been dealing with it. We know that he's been trying to identify or trying to, trying to help the people who are remaining in the church to make sure they feel secure in, in their faith. And he's also kind of, he's kind of been blasting those ones who, who have left. Today, and, and, and so today he's going to show us another test. We, we know that he, he spent a little bit of time telling them that there were certain ways that you can determine whether your faith is, is the right kind of faith. We had, first he had the, the, test, the test of obedience, right? He said, if you truly love God, if you truly follow God, then you'll obey his commands, so there was that test of obedience. And then there's also the test of love. He was talking about how if you follow God, then that means you're going to live as Jesus lived, and so you're going to love the way Jesus loved. So we had those two, those two tests, the test of obedience and the test of love. And now today, he's going to give us another test. He's going to tell them there's one more test you can follow, and that's the test of truth, the test of truth. And so he's going to suggest that that they take a look at what some of these people that have left, what are they teaching, what are they trying to tell you, and does it sound like it's the truth or not? And so we're going to be taking a look at uh, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 18. Now remembering that that um, John is, by this time, at least 85 years old. Some I've heard some pastors say eight, 100. He's, he's up there. He's 85 to 100 years old. He's an older gentleman. And so everyone in the church is his children, if you want to look at it that way. But he's also their spiritual father. He knows that they need some, some guidance, um, right, especially right now. And so he starts off, verse 18, again with that comforting, fatherly um, a salutation dear children it says dear children this is the last hour and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming even now many antichrists have come this is how we know it is the last hour all right so we just jumped right in to something big here he's talking about antichrists now i want to make sure that you understand that he is not talking here about many antichrist the way we talk about the antichrist. Now, he does refer to that it's coming, and even in the Greek, the the word the is not in there. He's just saying that you have heard that antichrist is coming. Right now, he's referring to anyone who has an attitude or a a belief against against the, the teaching of Christ, the teaching that they've learned about Christ. And so, I'm going to use the term anti-Christ just to kind of separate it, make sure we understand that when he says there are many anti-Christs living among us, he's talking about many people who are denying the Christship of Jesus or they're denying denying something about what they've been taught regarding Jesus being the Messiah, being Christ. So he's saying that there are many anti-Christs, many people with this attitude among us. And he says, this is how we know it's the last hour. He says, this is the last hour. Now, he said that, and we know there's been a lot of hours since then to today. So there may be some who would say, well, he got that wrong, didn't he? Well, no, he's just sort of talking in general terms. Hour is just another, another way of just saying time. You know, this is, we're in the last time. It, you, can, you can take a look, really, at, um, at so many different so many different ways that this has been referred to. Even the day of Pentecost, Peter is addressing the crowd and he, he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He's explaining what was happening that day. So he uses that phrase, in the last days. We also have, have several, other, several other opportunities to, to see this type of language. In, in, in Corinthians... We hear these things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages. That would mean that, you know, several ages, all these different ages, we're now at the culmination. So that, that gives a, an impression of, of finality and last times. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews wrote, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. And then also. Peter Peter also, he writes that he has chosen before the creation of the world, he was chosen, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. So you can read through the Bible, through the New Testament, and you can hear last ages, last times, last hour, last days. I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to give you some sense of urgency. They're just referring to the fact that we are in the last times. But what does that mean? We don't know how long that time will last. The best way I could think to describe this was thinking about my own age. And with losing my, my mom and my dad very recently, you know, you start to think about your own mortality and your own life expectancy and all that sort of thing. But I remember, too, as I was getting older, I was not going to say as I matured, but I don't know if I ever matured, But as you got to 40 or 45 years old, I started to recognize that, well, at this point, I'm kind of on the downward slope. I don't think I'm going to live past 90 or 100, certainly not 100. So somewhere around 45, that was like the top, and now it's all downhill from here. I just don't know where here is, right? Well, it's the same thing with us. You know, creation, the world was created, and we started a timeline, and that timeline's heading toward the end. We just don't know where or when. We also know that the second coming of Jesus is what we're talking about as the end. Well, for him to come again, he's got to come first. So we knew we were heading for some point in time where Jesus would come. And we've hit that, of course. And Jesus died, he was resurrected, he ascended, and he sent the the Holy Spirit. That point in time, that was a turning point. That's kind of that top point, where now it's It's on the downhill slope, and now we're heading toward the end of time, but we don't know where it is. So actually one commentator referred to the fact that all along we've been going this direction, but now that Jesus came and and he rose, and we're expecting him to come back again, at that point when he arose, the timeline's going like this now. We're parallel to that final day, that final minute, whatever, when, when Jesus returns because it can happen at any time. We just don't know how long it's going to keep going like that. So we're, we're at the doorstep. We just don't know how long it's going to be. Even Jesus told everybody not to get too uptight about it, right? In, it's recorded in Mark. He says, this is Jesus talking, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. He himself doesn't know, but only the Father And then with an exclamation mark, he says, be on guard. And on another exclamation mark, be alert. And he goes through talking about the the analogy of a robber and so forth. But then he says at the end, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Another exclamation mark. He says, watch. So he says, I don't know. Nobody knows, but just be ready. And that's what I try to tell people. When they start talking about end times, and they start talking about, well, this, this has happened, and that has happened, and that clearly means this is happening, and blah, blah, blah. And that's what my pet peeve is with these prophecy doomsday pastors who get people together, want to write these books, and tell you that it's going to happen in this time. And then that doesn't happen, so what do they do? They write another book. There's one in particular, and I probably, John Hagee. <laughs> Is one who has written so many books, right? Watch for those blood boons. Watch for this to happen. Watch for that to happen. Do you know he has another book out right now that is an updated version of the book he wrote somewhere around 2000? He just keeps writing these books. And why does he write these books? Because you keep buying them, (laughs) you keep listening to his stories. Okay, they can be entertaining. If you want to read them, if you want to learn all about that, that's fine. Just know that He doesn't know when it's going to happen. I can guarantee you that, okay? He does not know when it's going to happen. None of us do. So don't get too hung up on end times. Just be ready. It it could happen at any time, it could happen this afternoon. Be ready. That's all Jesus told us. Be ready. But what John is telling us is that we are in those last times. We don't know when it's going to happen. Be ready. But he says we can see that there's some things happening that tell us we're on that downward slope, that we are in the end times. And that's the fact that we have people with this anti-Christ kind of, of attitude. Verse 19, he says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. He's saying, okay, you know, they went fine. They weren't really one of us to begin with. Now, I want us to be careful, too. This isn't something we can apply, like, to our congregation. I know that we've had some very good people who have left this congregation. But they've gone to another church. They've gone to another, as long as they've gone to another Trinity-believing church, then they're still one of us. What he's talking about here is how when they left, this was the only church in town. This was the only Christian church in town. So when they left the church, that was that was a big deal. If you were expelled from the church, that was awful. You, you didn't want that to happen. You had nowhere else to go. It's not like you could just go to the other side of town and join another church. This was the church. And so he's saying that by them leaving, it just showed us they were dabbling in this Christianity thing. They didn't like something they heard. They're gone. They were not one of us. It just shows that they were never one of us because they have left. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And some versions of the the Bible, some translations will say, you know all truth, or you all know truth. It doesn't mean that when you get the Holy Spirit, you suddenly can go be a a contestant on Jeopardy because you know everything. That's not the point. He's saying you know everything you need to know. You know everything you need to know about Christ, about God, about your faith, about what you believe. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know the truth. Now, he's also using a play on words. Here again, he's making a poke at those Gnostics that we were talking about. Some of these Gnostics had these ideas Of going through some rituals things they would call sacraments that would help them to attain perfect christianity you know i i have one quote the one one person um gnostic there was a a sect of the gnostics and i'm not going to pronounce it right but the neocenes i think is the way it's pronounced and here's what they would say they had this special sacrament of anointing they said we alone of all men are christians who complete the mystery at the third portal and are anointed there with speechless chrism, chrism meaning anointing. That sounds very, and I, I'm sorry, but it sounds very Masonic or something, some very secretive, ritualistic thing that, okay, you gotta reach the third portal and get there and now you're, now you're a Christian. And, and John's saying, no, it's easier than that. You don't have to go through all. You know everything you need to know. You are a Christian because you were anointed from the Holy Spirit anointing, and that's where he's using this play on words. It all comes from the Greek word krio, um, to means to anoint, and so chrisma means an anointing, and that's where we get the word charismatic. We see people who are very charismatic, and we think they have been anointed. There's something special about them, and so these people were getting this chrism, another, ver, another form of the word, but then he's talking about them being antichristos, which is also from that same Verb means they were they were actually anti anointing, is what that literally means. So they were, they were anti Christ because they were against the fact that Jesus was actually anointed as the Christ. Verse 21 says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. He's saying you, you know everything you need to know, again. There's, a, there's sort of a, a saying within theology and I tried to think about it and I figured there's, anytime time you make a, a bumper sticker kind of statement, there's usually exceptions. But this one, I just couldn't think of anything. It, there's this saying that if it's, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true when it comes to theology. And I gotta believe that that's correct. I could not think of any exceptions. And I'll tell you one of the other things that really irritates me is the 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 whole pre-trib rapture thing. And I've got a whole other sermon, I'm not going to steal my thunder there. But the idea that this really didn't come into existence until about 1830. A little 13-year-old girl who had a vision, shared it with her pastor, and it took off. 1830. The apostles didn't teach it, the, the early church fathers didn't teach it, theologians didn't teach it. It was new. there's a pretty good chance that it's not true. That's what what that phrase is saying. If somebody comes to you and they tell you that they've had a revelation, that that God has spoken to to them, and they say something that just seems kind of weird to you, John's saying, look, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, whoa, this doesn't sound quite right. That's where we talk about this test of truth. Is this what the Bible says? Is this what we've been taught about Jesus or about the Son, We have people who are teaching that, that Jesus is the way shower, that he, that he can show you the way to God, but he's not actually the way to God. What did Jesus say? I am the truth and the life. I am the way. Also I am the way, the truth and the life, right? No one can get to the Father except through me, right? He is the way. He's not just showing you the way. He is the way. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Verse 22, so he says, So who is the liar then? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Not, not the, you know, but the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son. Whoever denies that Jesus, they didn't have a problem with the idea of a Christ figure. They, they did expect a Messiah. They did expect an anointed one. They did expect Christ. But they had a problem with the fact that he was hanging on that cross. They, they, they had a problem believing that God could, could be hung up on the cross and could die. And so there were people who were teaching, and there's still people who teach this same thing. They were teaching that Jesus was born as a human, only a human he was 100% human 0% god he was a human who grew up and on his baptism this is what they're teaching this is not i want to make sure i keep throwing this in so nobody catches this in the middle this is what someone else is teaching that as he when he was baptized that he received the christ spirit and that he had then the christ spirit with him through his through his life through his ministry but Then just before he was crucified, that the Christ spirit was removed from him. So when he died, he died as just a human being. This is a story. This is what they were trying to teach. Their way of, they couldn't accept the truth, and so they had to try to create some other kind of truth that they would be happy with. We're doing the same thing today. There's so many of this that's happening. We've got to just accept the truth for what it is. We may not be able to completely explain everything about it, but if the Bible says it, then it's true. And, and so John is telling them that those are the ones who are liars, the ones who deny Jesus as the Christ. And by being an antichrist, they deny the Father and the Son. So, so they have no problem with believing in the Father, but they've got a problem with, with the idea that Jesus was his Son. It says, and in verse 23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He's saying it's a package deal. These two are in fellowship together. If you don't believe that Jesus was the Son, that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was God, well, then you can't believe in the Father. These, like I said, they were picking and choosing. I believe in the Father, but I don't believe in Jesus as the Son. As for you, verse 24, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And I'm going to go ahead and read 25, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. He's saying, remember what you've heard from the beginning. These people were taught by these apostles. They started these churches. They, they knew what they knew, and, and they believed it, and they were going fine, and then suddenly somebody started trying to throw some new ideas at them. But they could go back to what they had heard from the beginning and stand strong on that foundation. Same thing today. And I'm thinking, when I read that, I'm thinking, that's why we need to, and and I'm so thankful that we have a Sunday school. So many churches are closing, not even having Sunday schools anymore. But think about, apply what he just said, where, where you can go back... Make sure that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. When we when we are able to to teach these little ones the Bible story, they know. They know the basics and they know what they need to know in order to 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 keep their faith. And of course, as they get older, they know more and more details. But they all know that Jesus is God, that Jesus was that little baby that was born and, and how he he died and, and went to heaven, and, and you know he died for our sins. They kind of have the basics, and, and that's what we need them to know, because by the time they get to high school, middle school, high school, and certainly off to college, people are going to start throwing new ideas at them. And that's where they can go back and say, well, you know what? That's not exactly the way I remember hearing this those last 15, 16, 17 years. That, that just doesn't feel right, and so they can hopefully look it up themselves, do a little bit of work, call a pastor, call mom and dad, whatever. Or maybe as a new Christian, you, you just came to Christ as a 35-year-old or something. But when you did, you, you then were given material, you, you've read the Bible, you understand the Gospel of John. And so when, first John, when John in this letter says, refer back to what you heard from the beginning, you go back to that. And the other part in verse 25 and this is what he promised us eternal life that's the other thing that the kids learn in, in Sunday school that's it's part of the part of the story so it's very important to have a good strong Sunday school verse 26 i am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray you're going to have lots of people who are trying to give you new ideas new teachings and it sounds odd, you know, but but it's it's happening. I I have often quoted Oprah. She was in a television interview one time where she said that I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian who believes that there are many ways to God besides Christianity. Well, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> I am the way, the truth and the life. And the only way to the Father is through me. She forgot that line. There's no other way to God other than through Christ. Now, that is an anti-Christ, I'm not saying she's the anti-Christ, but that is an anti-Christ kind of attitude, kind of philosophy. The only way to God is through Christ. I, I, I also have a problem with I guess I'll say it, with Joel Osteen. Living your best life now. No, I'm looking forward to my best life in my resurrected, redeemed body where there's no sorrow, no more shame, no more tears. That's your best life. That's what I'm looking forward to. If you're living your best life now, I'm sorry, but you're going to hell. (laughs) If this is the best you've got... You don't have a whole lot to, you don't have anything to look forward to. So anyhow, these are these, these, and you got to be careful. I mean, he mean, I think he means well. He wants you to live a happy life, whatever. Send him some more money, whatever. But, but the idea is that we have something to look forward to. We have a hope. We, and we have this basic understanding, this basic faith. We know what we believe. Do not let people shake your faith. Do not let people give you new ideas. If it's true, if it's new, it's not true Let's go on. Verse, verse 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to close the Sunday school. <laughs> I just said, you know, it's good, to have, it's good to have a good, strong Sunday school. He's not saying, I mean, you still want to listen to your teachers. You still want to listen to your preachers. You still want to listen to people who are trying to help you out in some way teach you. There's more you can learn. But what, he, what he's saying is, you know what you know. You have the basics. You know all you need to know there. You don't need these exotic ideas coming into your head. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He finishes up by, by just giving them another bit of, of confirmation and, and, and um, just helping them recognize that you're doing okay, you're solid in your faith, don't listen to those people who have left, they don't, they're throwing new things at you, don't listen to them, stay strong in what you've learned from the beginning. He, he recognizes the idea of, of spiritual warfare. There's, there's people who are going to be coming at you, there's people who are going to be coming at the church, they, they were coming at his church it was it was spiritual warfare warfare going on in his in his church at that time. <laughs> I need to slow down. <laughs> bring the bring the blood pressure down a little bit. He recognized and he was helping his congregation know how to deal with it. He was saying, first of all, go back to what go back to what you understand, go back to what you know. He's also talking about the fellowship, how important the fellowship is. That's what's so great about coming together on a Sunday morning. We're here to to help lift each other up, but we're also here to help the, the idea of, of strength in numbers. You know, the, the idea that we're all together, we're all for this same purpose. And and as soon as I get done, as soon as I get done preaching here, we're going to stand up and we're going to declare our faith. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed. This is the kind of thing that he's telling them. Go back and remember the things that you had from the beginning. Let's go back to our basics. Let's go back to our Apostles' Creed. And and I want you to when we when we st- I'm going to have you stand up because we're going to we're going to declare this, okay? And when I say declare it, that means don't just read it. I want you to I want you to declare it. There are people there are other people who are hearing what you believe, okay? Including the including the devil himself. He's hearing us, okay? I want us to stand now, and let's go to the Apostles' Creed. Let's stand and declare our faith through the Apostles' Creed. Devil's trying. He's trying. Well, he's not going to win. Let's do it. Let's say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I do want to make two comments there, because I don't want anybody to be worried about when you said you believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It's a little C. It just means the Holy Christian Church, universal church. That's what Catholic means there. And the idea of the communion of saints. That's what we're going to participate in Now, But I want you to understand, when it's talking about the communion of saints, the fellowship, the the communion among all of the church. Today, you're taking communion. Today is, is Worldwide Communion Sunday. You're taking communion with all the other Christian churches in the world today. Now, some of them are already done. Some of them will be doing it later. But the idea is we're taking communion, not just, it's important enough when we do it for ourselves and we take it together, that's, that's an important aspect as well. It is communion, fellowship. But today you're doing it with everybody in the entire world. And every time we take it, we're taking it with the saints, which means it's also we're, we're also taking it with all those who have taken it in the past and, of course, all those who will in the future. This is something that, that is done by the church all the time it's something that we don't do special. You know that. Other churches do it as well. But just understand the importance, please, of, of just what it means when we take communion. We're taking something in remembrance. You know, Jesus tells us how important that is. But the idea that we're doing it, again, as a declaration, this is also a way of declaring our faith to the world. And so we're going to... Let, let me pray. This is a good time to pray. Let's, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father... Thank you, first of all, for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it. We thank you for early church fathers who, and apostles who, who defined the faith, who put together creeds like the one that we just declared. Father, I thank you for this fellowship. I th- thank you that we are a body of believers, and we pray that you'll, you'll hold us strong together. I pray that no, no false teaching will, will reach into this, into this family. I pray that, that when we do hear things that don't sound quite right, that your Holy Spirit will just just cry out no in our in our bodies and we'll we'll recognize that something needs to be checked on. Father, I also thank you that we have this privilege at this moment. As we get ready to, to engage in this sacrament, our way of remembering jesus and what he did it's our way of remembering how you have written this story of of redemption for for us and for the whole world father i ask your blessing on this time as we partake of the elements and i pray it in jesus name amen the way we're going to do this um, is to ask you to to come up and and get your elements take them back to your seat hold on to them um, so that we can all take take communion together. Before we before we do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Sam to come on come forward. He's gonna help me. Um, he's gonna be holding the tray with the juice. Um, I'm gonna be holding the, the tray with the bread. Before we ask you to come forward, is there anybody? If there's anybody who has mobility issues and can't come up, we want to make sure that you get some. Um, you want to just raise your hand and, and and we'll bring we'll bring something to you. Uh, is there anybody who who would rather have us bring the, the elements to you? Everybody's good with walking up? Okay, well, it looks like, looks like we're good then. I'm going to ask Gloria to start playing some music, and why don't we start on this side? Why don't, if you'll come up, grab your elements and go back, and we'll just kind of keep, keep working it in that direction, okay? Okay. Christ. And so we know that when Jesus got together with his disciples, they had a meal, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks for it, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you, take it in remembrance of me. And so as we remember Jesus and his broken body, take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, "This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you." He also said, "Do this in remembrance of me." And so we, as we remember the blood shed by Jesus, take and drink. Heavenly Father, it is an extreme privilege to have the opportunity to remember the saving act of Jesus on that cross. Father, I pray that, that this will be a time that will be remembered Jesus and what he did for us. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll just take your cups and put them in the cup holders in front of you, we'll, we'll clean them up then after the service. Um, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your help if you want to go back. Um, we also read in the Gospels that, um, that after they had their meal, they then sang a hymn. So I'm going to invite you to stand and we'll sing our final hymn, number two, 206. That was very special to have my first communion with all of you, leading communion like that. Um, As you go from here today, may you remember, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may you remember those things that you've learned from the beginning and stay strong in your faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.